All right, welcome back to Inside the Box Podcast. I am here today with an exciting guest from Washington State College Dropout turned <laughs> Microsoft partner. And not only that, but my brother, older brother here, Tom, thank you for joining me today on my podcast. Hey, Andrew, thanks for having me at your offices here. It's awesome. Yeah, no, I'm excited to have you on. Um, one of the main reasons I really did want you to come on is uh, I think you got an interesting story. Uh, you definitely took a different direction than the traditional route that a lot of people are used to. And uh, I think that would be an awesome thing to hit on. But before we start, uh, you know, I usually ask small a question at the beginning of the, uh, you proud of me for remembering that? <laughs> uh, I usually ask a question at the beginning of the podcast, uh, you know, to small business owners, you know, what's the hardest part of being a small business owner? So I think to you, I would ask maybe the hardest part of um, your job and the hardest part of kind of your journey to where you are. But we'll get back to that. We'll kind of answer that at the end of the podcast. So I would do that there. Both of them? Yeah, I think so. Okay. <laughs> so keep them in the back of your head. Okay. But uh, why don't you go ahead and maybe just give us like your official title and we're a little, just a little brief about uh, your, your job position, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, I'm at Microsoft. been there for quite a while. I'm going on 18 years. I'm a general manager at Microsoft. I work in the pricing division. So uh, the you know, business planning, the group I work in, and we basically set the prices for stuff, how it's licensed and how customers buy it and, and what they pay. Yeah. That's awesome. So this is going to be a little bit weird trying to run through this since I kind of know the whole story. But uh, so Tom, Tom's from, you know, we're from here in Springfield for the most part. Uh, although, you know, you're older than me, so you got to spend some time in Texas. I, I don't really remember Texas. And then uh, were you, you weren't born in Texas, though, were you? No, no, I was born, uh, oh, I was born near, near Chicago. Oh, near Chicago, that's Chicago, right. Chicago, then yeah. Ohio, then we moved to Texas, and then uh, that's where you were born. Yeah. Um, and then we, uh, you know, the, the market fell out, the oil market fell out in Texas, and our dad got laid off, along with, you know, 20,000 of his closest friends there at uh, where he worked, amongst the other other companies as well. And after about a year of looking for a job, we ended up moving up here to Springfield in with family, you know, shows you how important family is in situations like that. Yeah. Do you think his... Lay how old were you, you think when he got laid off? I was eleven when we moved. I don't know when he got laid off, it was about a year, I think he was so right for a job, there. but I was eleven when we moved back to uh, we moved to Illinois. Did that have any would you think that, that like seeing that going through that at that age, do you think that had any kind of impact on like the the future? Like I guess just growing up or now, like in your career, like when you're going through some you know, kind of everything you've gone through here with school, you know. Yeah, I mean, definitely seeing the trials and tribulations of our own family and my own father, you know, our father, uh, through his work struggles and family struggles that he went through, definitely has an impact on me. I think that, and then also, like, as I kind of came of age of making some money in tech and stuff, having to go through the, the dot-com bust, and then, uh, and then also the 2008 recession, both of them have uh, instilled a bit of financial conservatism in, in me, yeah. maybe more so than I probably should have, right. uh, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, sometimes better safe than sorry. Um, well, just, a, you know, a little background, I guess a lot of people, you know, with me know that I'm in the technology a lot and computers and stuff. And honestly, a lot of that came from, uh, my brother here, Tom, he's been a huge influence on my life, you know, from teaching me to build my first computer when I was, geez, I don't even know, 10, nine or 10 or 11 <laughs> or something. Uh, and then. And then you got, you started off like making money as a kid, just like me. But again, that was a lot probably because of you, because you got a paper route. 
Yeah. At, at what age? What age did you get that? Uh, well, I actually, um, you know, when we lived in Texas and Dad had a job and everything, we got we got good allowance. You know, we got, we got a nice allowance. When we moved up to Illinois, we got, there was no more allowance. <laughs> and I, you know, money I, wasn't coming. I wanted some money, and so I, uh, when I was, you know, probably eleven, twelve, I began looking for odd jobs, mowing lawns, watching pets, things like that. And I applied for paper routes. You know, I sent my information. I never talked to our parents about it. And then uh, when I turned thirteen, and we were actually uh, visiting family up in up in Maine. Uh, they, the, the paper company called, you know, called our house, got dad on the line is like, Hey, you've got a paper out for your son. You had to be 13 mm. to get a paper. And they're like, like, okay, we got one for him. And it was like, you take it now or we make the next phone call. It was a hot commodity. And, and we were gone. And so dad, you know, said, okay, we'll take it. And then, and then he did the route. <laughs> Wait, did he know at that point or was he like, what are you talking about? He was, well, yeah, no, he didn't know. And then he's <laughs> like, what? And so, uh, but he then took it for us and he did the route for the, for the, until we got back from, from Maine. Uh, Cause we spent time with grandparents up there. Um, and then he had it already down to a science by then, of course. He had, like, yeah. he had the papers with all the addresses. All right, here's had, what we're going to do. And he developed a rubber band, you know, he's like using the bag with rubber bands and stuff. He had it all down. So he, then uh, then I took it over um, and did that for years. And we got more routes because we did a good job. And that was when I brought just my sister on. Yeah. Um, I basically paid her to help out on the, on it. And then when I went to school, she took you on and, and mm-hmm. you were doing it then. And we kept it in the family for a long time. Yeah, man. I think I did it till I was 21. And you started when you were a lot younger. Yeah, 10 <laughs> years old until I was 21. So, uh, again, you know, that, I, you know, just, I, you know, 10 years old, I would have never done that. Mm-mm. Who would have known? Like, I don't know what path. It could have literally changed the path of my whole life, just just literally having a little job and learning how to manage money and doing stuff, you know what I mean? So it's mm-hmm. kind of crazy to think about. Um, I read a book one time called The Turning Point, and it talks about those little, like, points in life where if it literally just took a left or mm-hmm. made one other decision, your whole life would be completely different. Kind of interesting. Um, so then, uh, obviously, you know, high school, all that stuff. Um, but then you uh, went away to college, to U of I. That, that wasn't the move for you, though, huh? <laughs> Well, you know, I was I was in computers. I got in computers in high school. Dad went and bought a computer. It was one of those turning point moments. Dad went and bought a computer uh, out of nowhere. Like, Kay's merchandise. Yeah, went over to Kay's merchandise and bought a terrible computer. We didn't know anything about them. Um, and then I, I uh, made friends with someone nearby who was probably one of the smartest computer people in our high school. Yeah. In, in town, probably, at, uh, at that age. Um, we became best friends for multiple years, and he, he really got me into it and taught me a lot. And I really I, I loved getting into it. But you know what they don't do a good job of in high school is teaching you like what kind of jobs are out there and that you can do. It's always very regimented. It's like if you do these things and you get this college degree and you study these things, you can get this exact job. Yeah, I would and agree. So, it's uh, it's so weird. I was talking with somebody else about this the other day. It's like, you know, when you go through high school and even in college if you go to college, but it's like you don't ever like at that age really like want to learn. It seems like the stuff they're trying to teach you. And then like later in life, mm-hmm. you like have the desire to learn and you like want to read and like, get better at it it's kind of weird it's like kind of backwards well and it's so regimented the the plan is so regimented and uh well as in computers i thought if you like computers you just had to be a programmer mm-hmm. and that was the only job i thought that existed in technology and i liked programming a lot so i went to you know i got in their engineering college there which was it's one of the best in the country right and the computer science but um you know what i found is i liked programming what i wanted to program <laughs> and I, told didn't you. Like, <laughs> I didn't like other people tell me what to program and then i especially didn't like um, you know, the ancillary classes, I was not huge at, at advanced math and, uh, and I didn't want to take a lot of the other elect electorate lectures and stuff, yeah, electoral uh, items. And so, uh, it just wasn't a thing for me. And, and, uh, and so the one thing I do regret is I was also in, uh, Navy ROTC yeah. at college and I really liked that. 
I think that shaped me, like built leadership traits in me. The summers I spent with them and the, the yeah, people I met. Yeah, you did I some met. cool stuff. I remember you being gone doing some stuff uh, just out on like submarines and different things. It made me tough and it, it made me more disciplined and it, it really influenced my personality in ways that I, th- I think were life-changing. I really am grateful. Yeah. For the well, time you went there. from kind of, I mean, not, I am a computer nerd myself, but you kind of went from computer nerd to like all of a sudden in the Navy and like, uh, yeah, I could see that, that being a good kind of shift. I never, I was pretty much the only one in my family. Well, me and Jessica, but that did not partake in like the Navy. It seems like, you know, our grandfather, our dad, our uncle, mm-hmm. our grandma, everybody was longstanding. Yeah. History. So it gave me a strong appreciation for the people that do serve. And I'm very, very grateful to those folks. Yes. I am very grateful as well. Yeah. Even though I was, did not do it myself. <laughs> How, uh, how, so, uh, I guess, you know, I kind of jumped ahead there to to college, but even in messing with computers that young, they were really just strongly coming along to where it was like something that a person at home could get Mm -hmm. and like use. Mm -hmm. I don't know, like maybe like, is there any like interesting, I don't know. I'm kind of looking for like giving people an idea of what that was like when computers were first coming around, what you were doing on them and what like. I mean, you do a lot of the same stuff you do today. It was just harder to do, you know. I mean, Windows was just coming of age, like uh, at the time. So most most time you're using the command line in DOS. You didn't know how to type and how to know commands, and it was harder to kind of find the games. There was no no internet, you know. I mean, over time you had more baseline services like America Online or yeah. Prodigy, CompuServe, stuff like that. So it was growing. You had local BBSs. There was a big bulletin board scene in town where you could dial up to effectively private little sites that are kind of like the internet, where you could have email and games. Um, but it wasn't easy for someone who didn't have any experience to just jump in and use. How did um, how did you learn from mostly the your friend or how to? Yeah, by getting involved with some friends in the community, you begin to learn from others and and learn how to get access to resources and and, and begin doing stuff together and, and participating. There is a community. There was a community, just like there's a community now with the internet. It was just a much smaller, right? Local community, a lot harder to find, probably. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you had to get started. Because there wasn't. Was started. there even really books like? Um, like yeah, there, there were books. There, there were books. Nothing. Yeah, there were definitely lots of books that you could get. But it was wasn't again. It wasn't as easy as. But you had to go. You know, it was harder to find them. You might look at magazines. You know, the bookstore might have some. You know, but, yeah. uh, you know, Best Buy might have some. But it was generally you were, you were like we go to magazines and, and and magazines were a big deal then. Yeah. yeah. Quickly became not a big deal, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. No, I I remember. Uh, you know, as a kid, just. It was always interesting because I never really knew what was going on or what you were doing until I was able to get a little older and showed me some of the stuff as far as like, again, building computers and and stuff like that. And I've probably since then built, I don't know, 20 computers of my own, you know, and uh, and for other people. And uh, yeah, that was always and still like even today, people find it hard to believe that I can build and build a computer. (laughs) because <laughs> everybody just buys them now or buys laptops yeah you know what i mean but uh back then it was to do that you could that was like the best way to, <clears throat> best way to get kind of the best computer i guess you could say for a decent price yeah i mean there were good computers for sale there's a lot of garbage too um there were some good computers but it was always fun to build it and building the computer really wasn't any different then than it is now to be honest yeah it's, it's pretty much the same, same thing yeah exactly that's yeah. the only thing that hasn't changed it's got more powerful yeah <laughs> the concepts cool, are still basically cooler the same. cooler lights cheaper <laughs> Um, so yeah, in college doing programming in the NROTC, NROTC, um, how long I remember going up there and like taking you to college just barely, you know, and, uh, how long did you end up staying in college? Two years. Two years. Yeah. And I, 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 two years. Yeah. How, I mean, even after the first year where you just like, 
man, this just is terrible. No, I enjoyed my first year. It wasn't until kind of uh, the end of the it was this, this early in the second half of the second year, second semester, of second year. That was when I knew it was over. Yeah. I was like, I'm not, I'm not coming back. And then I just started dialing it in uh, for the things I didn't like, and the things I did like, I enjoyed and maximized. I, I, I always did really well in all the programming classes. I, I got mostly A's on everything in my programming classes because I, I, I was, you know, I enjoyed writing programs. But yeah. uh, it was the rest of it. It just wasn't for me. It's a very tedious process. I've, I've had very little experience in programming. It's, it's probably a lot. It's probably a lot easier now. But I just remember like. Back in high school, I took one programming class, and I just I couldn't I just couldn't do it. It's problem solving, you know. Yeah. It's just like problem solving and solving a puzzle. It's like doing a puzzle. Yeah. Um, you know, you use Sudoku or you you know, write a program. Yeah, I guess if you look at it like that <laughs> again, though, you know, me in high school, I just didn't want to take the time. <laughs> but I was such a procrastinator. You know, we do like in you know one of my classes that we had, they'd give us an assignment. You had two weeks to do each assignment. You had to submit it. You had a, it was an automated submission process. You had to have it by like Sunday at 10 p.m. And so yeah, I'd get the assignment and I wouldn't even bother starting it until like Friday before the weekend it was due, you know? So yeah. like, like, well, I guess I better look at my assignment that's due in two days. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was, I was pretty much that same way my whole life too, through school. But yeah, it's, um, so I dropped out of school. Um, and you got a guesstimate on what year that was? Oh, uh, what year? Well, that would have been, uh, 97. 97. I guess. Yeah. So in, around then, a lot of stuff was starting to happen with computers, the internet. Like, uh, mm -hmm. when when would when would you say the internet was very like prominent? Like, obviously it came around like way earlier, but when it was like very like widely being used. Um, I don't know about the definition of widely in terms of it like, maturing. Uh, you know, uh, like AOL, like family, you know, we yeah. had family video internet. Like, you know, mm -hmm. it was like really more like regular mainstream, like a lot of people were using it. Yeah, it was. It began really expanding about the time I went to college. So like when I went to college, um, the dorm I was in, it was the first year that they'd run, they had the Ethernet into all the dorm rooms. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and and so I was in kind of one of the older dorm rooms. They had got Ethernet in there, and, and the Internet was there. And it was the first time I was ever on the Internet was when I showed up in college in 95, fall of 95. Um, and I had a beta of Windows 95. So it hadn't been released yet. Uh -huh. Windows 95 yeah. was revolutionary. Yeah. Like, it's what made it oh, easier. Yeah. To your point of it, making it easier. People had it forever. It was easier to get online with 95. And so I remember the, some of the people on my, on my floor at the dorm who were the more tech-savvy people and knew more about networking than I did. They were. They thought it was. They were like Windows three one one was way harder to deal with, and they were and Windows ninety five. I just it just fired up. It just worked. It yeah. Just, it was. It was amazing. Um. But that was when it was really happening. The web was there. It was very nascent. It was just lists of things, and it was. But like all the stuff that you have today, it was all beginning. It was all just the very beginning. What, what I saw there when I showed up at college. Yeah. And then over the next couple of years, you began seeing the, the dial all the, all the the ISPs popping up, around the country. Would all started happening at that time. What an amazing thing to see. You know, sometimes I argue that, uh, I mean, I'm sure you could, there's a lot of things that led to this that you could say wouldn't have, you know, this wouldn't happen without this, but the internet in general, seeing that come around and expand is like one of the, like probably, you know, gr greatest, craziest things we'll probably, you know, see in a lifetime type of yeah. thing, I feel like. Yeah, I'm trying to remember when Netsc like Netscape 2.0 came out while I was in college. Like, I, I can't remember if I was using one something when I showed up, but it, that's how early it was to go. The first web browsers yeah. had any mainstreaming. No, Netscape's was, not even around. was right when I showed up at college. <laughs> it was right around that time was when the web was just the first web. It was the first time I ever used web browsers when I showed up at college. And I was deep in the BBS scenes around here. I ran one and mm -hmm. participated in many. 
Um, so in college, do you think, uh, you know, I know you had a lot of different friends and stuff that were into some of the same stuff. Do you think you learned more like just playing around with that group of friends and trying your own stuff than maybe even like classes? Oh yeah, definitely. I didn't learn hardly anything in classes. Isn't that interesting? I didn't learn anything in classes. Just sitting there um, testing, oh, playing around with the, the ROTC programs. I learned a lot, but it was different. Like it was about leadership and responsibility right, right. And, and that stuff. So that was really cool. I learned a lot there. But in the college programs, I didn't learn that much. That mm-hmm. you couldn't you couldn't learn from a book or, you know, just like you want to go write a they assign your. I didn't even go to the classes. They assign your program, and you just look up reference material or, or read read the book if you need to. And yeah, you could learn that stuff easily. Interesting, interesting. So you left there, dropped out of there in the second year. What was what was kind of the next next step? <laughs> well, I had no idea. I was actually <laughs> like, I don't know what I'm going to do now. I guess. I'm, Am I going to go, you know, still be a programmer, you, you know, but I didn't know what I was going to do. Uh, so I rolled back into Springfield uh, and uh, moved it back into the parents' basement, you know. Had some pissed off parents. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was not, that was not good. But um, I went to Lincoln Land Community College. I was like, I'll enroll in Lincoln Land and kind of reset a little bit and see what's out there. And these community colleges, they adapt more, like they can roll programs out and do stuff quicker than anybody else can. And so I, I rolled into Lincoln Land. I also began working for a small a small tech company in town called Microgroup. Very small, little, um, yeah. doing, doing PC work and networking work and some state contract work. And I'd worked for them in some, one summer in high school, so I went to work for them. Uh, and they uh, and I began being exposed to the concept of like networking as a job, like to help companies with actual networks and yeah. network servers. And I'd, I'd never... Because like you said, they just don't show you like jobs like opportunities and what you can do and how many different things like just one area has mm-hmm. so you started really getting that real world experience then yeah they teach you to be a, a programmer at u of i engineering college they don't teach you how to set up computer networks and configure security settings and make it so people can log in on large networks and do email and well, at the you know, time anyway but who yeah knows yeah at the time. <laughs> and so um but lincoln land had actually started a program for like the to be like a network enge- network engineer and they actually had networking classes and there were certification tests you could take and stuff i didn't know about any of that at the time yeah and so i enrolled in lincoln land i got exposed to some of this and i, I, I and I, and i was also then doing a little bit with it at microgroup and i was like this is really cool i like doing this stuff and it was really fun and it was unique and it was honestly pretty easy yeah and uh i was like there wasn't there, there wasn't a lot of people doing it i was gonna say yeah even though even if it was a little easy it's still just nobody at the time yeah nobody yeah nobody was doing it. it was still a little hard to configure this stuff you know and it was hard to know how to make it work yeah and uh and so nobody was doing it it was cool yeah yeah i remember you coming home and just starting to like i just remember you in my head what sticks in my head is you coming home with a big big ass book you know a giant book and then reading it and then like yeah man i'm going down to going down to st louis to get certified yeah and you did that like you you were getting certified in like like basics it would seem like basic stuff nowadays but back then people weren't doing it yeah so like do you remember some of the certifications that you got yeah well the the program at u of uh, not apartment lincoln land was very focused on uh, novell networks at the time they were the they were the market leader on network servers and that companies would have in their offices and stuff, hosting their email and their files and things. They, they had a certification process on it. So one of the classes I took was meant to take one of the certification tests. And so the, the course book in that class at Lincoln Land was literally the, the 1,100-page red novel CNA <laughs> book. And the teacher of the class was like, okay, well, we're, we're going we're to go through this book during the semester, right? And then at the end of the semester, you can either take the final here 
or you can go take the actual certification test. And if you pass the certification test, you know, we'll give you basically an A for the final. Oh, that's cool. Right. And so that was what he did. Uh, that was his plan. And Novell book, from their credit, their books were actually pretty easy to read. They like had little jokes in there. The way it was written, you could just read it. Yeah. And so that first weekend after the class started, I was with the in-laws. Uh, Let uh, me tilt that up just a little bit. There oh, you go. Sorry. No, you're right. I was with the uh, the in-laws. I went to the in-laws for the long weekend over probably Labor Day or something, and I just read the entire. 1100 page book over like a four day that's crazy weekend at the in-laws nothing else to do with the in-laws you know yeah. so I, I read the entire 1100 page book and so like the on before, what's he doing up there before me, <laughs> it's a good book before class the next class on like tuesday i, I scheduled you could schedule this novel test here in springfield and I, I scheduled the test and i went and took it that tuesday morning passed it so showed up to like the second or third class of the entire semester. And like I'm done. And I was like, I already passed the test. <laughs> Is that where you done? Did he? Tell and you? I was like, I said, do I have to keep coming to class? Can I just have like the A or whatever? He was like, no, you still have to come to class. Oh, that's I, I was like, that's ridiculous. That that's, is ridiculous. <laughs> and so then I spent the entire semester not participating. I just sit in class and work on. I began studying for my Microsoft certification. So mm-hmm. it was like I wanted to go move over to the Microsoft stuff. What was it, Windows 98 at that point? No, no, the server products. So you were studying oh, Windows networking. Products. So it was okay. Windows NT. NT, okay. Yeah, that's it was right. Windows N- that. NT. Uh, time I was studying NT4.0 mm-hmm. uh, at the time. And those are the ones you mentioned like, me going to, to to St. Louis. This keeps falling. Sorry. There's um, a thing you can tighten if you want to there. But, um, the, uh, but uh, that, those are the ones I had to go to, down to St. Louis. The Microsoft test you had to go to St. Louis to take. Um, later LRS began offering them in Springfield, but for most of mine, except for my very last test, I think I went down to St. Louis for all of them, uh, with Microsoft. Yeah. 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 I always thought that was crazy. Those big books were so intimidating to me as a little kid <laughs> seeing you with them, but it's funny cause you like schooling you hated, but then you would sit and read like a giant ass yeah. book about, <laughs> about I, I what had you were the, interested in, which I, I built a, an extra, I built some extra computers so I could have servers and I could actually set up networks at home mm-hmm. and I bought the books and I bought, you know, practice tests and other materials. So I spent money like you would go into a college, you know, I spent, it was not cheap. I put some money on the credit The first time ever I carried a credit card balance, mm-hmm. you know, cause I, I borrowed money to do some of this stuff on the, on the credit card. Um, but I made my own classroom in the, in the basement and studied for this stuff and yeah. you know, took the test. Isn't that interesting? But the it's it's crazy, too, because you had, you know, a lot of people at that age wouldn't have the discipline even to do that. You know what I mean? I know, like, you know, I went to college a traditional way, but a lot of the stuff while I was there, I knew. Like, and there were a few classes where I learned some stuff. And I had a couple of good professors, but mostly I just jacked around, partied. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I and and even now, like, obviously with where I'm at now, like, I, I probably could have got here without the, a degree. Um, but uh, you know, I would put in the time, not necessarily reading a book and going to get certified or anything, but I would just sit there and play. You know, obviously, as you know, I'm on the more creative side, but I'd just sit there and play with. Photoshop and play mm-hmm. with these programs and try to just like use it, do what you want to do. Yeah. And you learn the whole program from that. And I think I'm sure you would agree with this after you learn these things, it's like, all right, how do I apply these to making money? <laughs> yeah. You, you got to find something you, you, you're passionate about and then, and then adapt it to where you could commercialize it yeah. in some way. Exactly. The, big, the biggest problem people have is not thinking about both of those. Mm-hmm. Right. So do you think schooling is going to change? <laughs> Um, I, I think it, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think it is changing to some degree and it probably will continue to do so. Like, I don't, I don't think the current 
college system is sustainable yeah. um, with the route it's on at the prices that it's at for the, the degrees and programs you get. Don't get me wrong. Like there are certainly lots of things that need, co- that need a traditional route of yes. college. Like there are, if you want to be a doctor, lawyer, the yeah, amount of studying sure. and things you need to learn to be a lawyer, like the things that need structure right. uh, and consistency for a job function or a sort of certain certifications that are really required for health and safety and, you know, regulatory reasons like those will always be there. Yeah. Um, you want to be a real engineer. You're going to have like, you don't want people building bridges that have like, don't <laughs> I did wor- this on my own. Don't worry. <laughs> don't worry. I got this. I've built one of these out of toothpicks. I, I read one. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's always going to be some of that, but it's like better understand these other kinds of jobs exist. I think there needs to be more routes. I think we need more internships. I've always thought that it'd be cool if there was something set up to, yeah, to like, even if you had to pay for it, Mm-hmm. Like to go pay for an internship. I would to pay do for one. an internship. Yeah, at a, at a place where you really are going to get some good experience. Like I feel like that's almost way more valuable than you know going to college, unless of course, like you said, something where you actually have to, you know, have that structure. Or like whatever. imagine the if you're going to spend a hundred thousand dollars on college versus taking that money and trying to start a business, even if the business fails, the experience you're going to learn, or, or to your point, pay somebody for an internship or to to participate and learn stuff. Um, I, I've learned so much, even when I joined the workforce, like, and had to actually like, you know, get my certifications and I got, I had to get like a real job and go apply that knowledge. Mm-hmm. The amount I learned from working with people from there all the way to today. Yeah. Like we'll talk about maybe what I'm doing now, but I, I got no formal education. What I'm doing now is grossly unqualified for, which I told my current boss when he offered me the job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, you, you figure it out and you, you know, you're good at it and make it happen. So you're done. Uh, you're working at Microgroup, doing some of that basic stuff. How long were you with Microgroup for, you think? Not very long. I mean, it was, it was nice. It was, a, it was a, the ladies who ran the, the lady who ran the place and the lady I worked for, they were, they were fantastic, super nice uh, folks. Um, and they tried to take care of me and we, we did lots of fun stuff. I, um, but uh, I knew I wasn't getting the kind of networking experience I wanted. I began to find I needed to go on something where I could apply it to larger customers um, and so that's when I began looking at other things. And so I was probably only there, for, I don't know, a, a, a year, 18 months at most, um, before I, I got my next role. And then you started looking, just searching for jobs? Well, uh, um, I, uh, sort of, but I ended up, uh, I got an internship at the state of Illinois at DCFS. Um, hmm. uh, I kind of remember uh, that. Um, and I forgot you did that. Yeah. So I, and they have obviously lots of computers and networks and they had Novell servers and they have to support all this stuff. And so that was my first time really entering a larger environment where I had to help, you know, actually work and support computers. And it was an internship. Um, it was, there was you know, the, obviously getting any state job like that, there's like politics and things involved right. and strings get pulled or whatever. But I got the job and it was great. Um, but uh, I was only I was only there for a very little, very little time. Um, so I, I got the job at LRS here in town. Levi Ranch out. How did you find that? Were you just looking at what jobs were out there? I, uh, I mean, everybody, I mean, if you're in Springfield in IT, you know about LRS. Like okay, they are yeah. they are like the Microsoft of Springfield. Right. Like as far it's as crazy I, they're in Springfield. Honestly. As far as IT companies go, yeah. you know, they are uh, the amount of employees they have and, and for good paying IT jobs. And they are big and they're they're nice and they, they have great benefits and everything. And so I knew about them. I'd actually done something back. I think it was in high school where I actually interviewed somebody that worked there oh, nice. um, for like a class project or something. I don't remember how I got in touch with the with the guy. Um, but I, I think I put an application in at one point. I just kind of sent it over the wall and never heard back. Um, but while I was at the internship at the state, they called me up and wanted to do an interview. Uh, and, and so I went, went to do that, and, and they offered me a job. Nice. An entry-level job, and I had to take it, like, to go to LRS yeah, at that age. Yeah, it was a dream, probably. Um, probably couldn't believe it. But the people that helped pull me strings to get 
the job at the state. They weren't very happy. No. Because <laughs> I left like after like three months. Uh, very, but man, you had to. I mean, I didn't have a choice. You again, know, was, that's like. It was yeah. one of those life, once yeah, in a lifetime. For sure. Especially, things. how old do you think you were about then? Well, that was in 98. Um, yeah, so I would have been. Uh, I, I think I turned 21 while I was at LRS. I was only 20 yeah. then when I started there. How crazy there. is that? Yeah, so I think I turned 21 while I was there. Did, um, what was your first position there? Uh, I was a, um, a network consultant, and it was a very entry-level position. Uh, basically, again, to our conversation earlier, people, this networking thing was kind of new. The certifications, not a lot of people had them. And so there was a networking group at LRS, and the boss, the guy running the group, he had, through another person, he had figured out he could hire these like younger kids who, you know, with, uh, that, 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 that were smart. Probably for less money. And he could get them contracted out for, you know, anywhere from 75 to $150 an hour up in Chicago. Oh yeah. Right. So he could pay, he could pay me, you know, 30 grand a year <laughs> uh, and, and then, con- and then, and then get me on a, you know, making a hundred bill and 125 plus expenses up in Chicago yeah. on a full-time gig for, you know, for long term. Yeah. Right, and he did it successfully with one other person. Yeah, I forgot so, you were traveling up to Chicago. I never, I never even thought about that. All so, right, not for a long time. Yeah, so he pulled it off with one person successfully. So he's like, I'm just going to rinse and repeat with this other guy, Tom. I, I was like one certification away from having the MCSE, which is like the big Microsoft. Like you had to take lots of tests. It was the, kind of the, at the time the big Microsoft certification. I only needed one more test to get it done. And so he hired me. He threw me up to this customer up there on a trial basis for you know for a few weeks. Yeah. Um, and then he let him have me for like half price for another month. And then he's like, okay, you want to keep him at full price Yeah. and get him hooked. And I was living at the residence Inn up there. Basically he just, he just put us in the residence Inn up, up by yeah. Chicago and we just lived yeah, there. I completely forgot about that. Uh, and, and worked full time up there. Um, and, uh, and it was, it was, it was a great experience. I learned so much working with, uh, the, the, the people from LRS and, yeah. and getting the hands-on experience and problem solving in real network environments. I just was just in constant learning mode. That's awesome. Again, just the exp- on, on the job experience. So you worked your way up there though. Uh, how many, how many positions did you go through while you were, while you were there? Would you say? Well, the networking group started pretty small, and it, it grew quite a bit over a period of multiple years that I was there. Uh, um, but it's all—it was—it wasn't like there was lots of different jobs. It was just—I mean, I was there promotions uh, um, to like network consultant, to network engineer, right. to senior network engineer. Um, I did become a, a manager there, uh, yeah. uh, and, and I specialized in security, so I did a lot of security work. Where was the transfer from, like, network engineer to security? Like, what kind of how did how did that kind of work out? Well, I just began developing. I mean, I've always done been passionate about security. And so I'd always done quite a bit with it. And I, I saw opportunities to do consulting around security. Um, you know, the more interesting uh, transfer that really happened was there was a, an inflection point to focus more on business than the technology. So I'd say my shift away from hands on technology yeah. happened in that milestone. And that was when you kind of switched to that man, manager yeah. position? Yeah, I was actually uh, um, in '99. I think I was deploying some Microsoft technology that was that had a lot of it was new, but it had a lot of bugs. So I was on the phone with Microsoft support a lot at customer sites, and they flew me out to North Carolina and interviewed me. And Microsoft actually offered me a job back in '99. Oh, really? And it was a really technical job in their support organization, and uh, I would have been working with code and stuff. And it was a crazy interview. It was insane. And I never had anything like it. <laughs> um, but at the end of the interview, it was eight, like eight hours. Like it was like six, seven hours of, of a panel of three people. But, the, but like they'd rotate out the people. 
and I had to sit there the whole day. And they would just, it was like, Do constant, I get lunch or? just constantly peppering me with questions and going, sending me to the whiteboard to solve problems for six hours straight. That's crazy. And then at the end, they took me back to HR. And you think you're recruiting, and you think you're going to like go home and they'll call you in the next day or days or whatever. And they, so it took me down to recruiting, and they just handed me an offer, like, here's your offer. <laughs> And I was like, whoa, I don't think I'm ready for this. <laughs> and they were offended by it. They're like, what? <laughs> like when we give an offer, people are usually you take this offer. jumping in joy. They're like all excited. To, I get to work for Microsoft. And I was like, I got to think about it. <laughs> I got to go home and think about it. That was when I talked to, went back and talked to my manager at LRS. And I told him, look, this is where I'm at. And we had a real discussion about it. And that was when they said, look, if you can take it, then you can, I can go a really technical route and maybe get back into programming and stuff. And or I can, they'll give me leadership opportunities to take on more leadership and, and, and management responsibilities. And that was when they gave me a small team. Mm. You know, okay, we'll put a few consultants, give you a few consultants and make you responsible for kind of the P&L of your team. Yeah. And and, uh, and then and if you do well, obviously I grew that team um, over time, over a few years, grew it to, I think I had 15 people in my org when I left LRS. Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, I remember during that time, um, a book came out what was it was something with security or something what was that about you got your name got published in a book about like yeah what was it again um uh, the hacking exposed series um i have a couple i have a couple copies of the book at home somewhere in a box and this was like a national oh yeah it's a very, it was a very round book yeah, yeah it's a big book about different vulnerabilities and how to hack into stuff and it was it's a really cool series that, that, that exists um I, I another another consultant at lrs and i um another person i have tremendous respect for and I learned, learned a ton from, uh, he, he and I exposed a bunch of vulnerabilities in Windows Server 2000. Uh, and we, you know, when we found all the vulnerabilities, we emailed Microsoft and we're like, hey, we found this stuff, you know, we'd like you to address it or, you know, and if not, we'll release the information if you don't care about it or whatever. And Microsoft basically <laughs> told us to pound sand. So we like published the, we published the security vulnerabilities. <laughs> and, uh. And then they put that uh, they they then this hack and expose book published those vulnerabilities, um, and some of them were around for a long time. Did they uh, finally fix them? Did they reach out and ask like you to if they could like include you in the book? Or how no, did that work? no, they didn't. Really? I, I didn't. Actually, the funny thing is, I was at a customer site, and for the first time, like introducing myself to a customer on sales call, basically to sell them consulting service and security service, and they're like, "Your name sounds really familiar." <laughs> And I was like, I don't think we've ever met. And like, no, no, I know your name. And then like, wait a minute, wait a minute. And then like, like I went to a shelf and pulled it off, and they're like flipping through, and they're like, is this you? That's crazy. And they like looked in the book, and I was like, what? That's, that's, that's crazy. Me. And then of course, I raced to like the bookstore Grab and like bought all of them off the <laughs> shelf. That's cool, though. We did publish. We did say when we released the stuff, we were like, anybody can like publish this. Just, yeah. just give us credit. That's yeah. what we said. Yeah. We said just give us credit for it if you publish this. We never said like contact us or anything. So in, yeah. in their defense, so we, I think we said that was fine. Nice. Um, how many years did you end up being in LRS? About. I was just having an interesting conversation with with a, with a, a few folks I used to work with LRS um, earlier this week, and it felt like I was there for so long. We just talked about so much. I was only there for four and a half years. That's crazy. I don't know. Like it felt like it felt like fifteen years. Yeah. And there's so many experiences. I guess it's because it's early career. You just grow so fast. It like it, memory wise, it, it well, feels and the, like so much. And the time was probably very exciting. You getting a job at LRS, yeah. like you progressing like you did as quickly as you did through different positions so then being a manager of people and um how did you feel about that transition from the technological side to being a man the manager side because obviously like i started this 
Oopbox because I just love like creating and videos and doing all this stuff. But as now that I have a business to run, I don't get to do that stuff as much personally. So I, you know, it's kind of the same thing with me a little bit. I've started making that transition to, to where there's a lot of business stuff. And, and sometimes it, it frankly sucks a little bit that I don't do it as much as I, I want to. Um, how did you kind of feel about that at the time? Um, I really like learning new things and I like the opportunity to begin learning about stuff that I never really worked on. And, and, and so I, I, I really jumped into that and, and value, valued that. And, and so I thought that was really cool. And um, I like learning more about, you know, how to sell and how to think about, you know, the, calculating profit and, yeah. and th- those things. And, and it began a, an evolution in that space to where I'm at now, where I've moved away from a lot of the hands-on technical work. I do miss it. Um, I, I was, I've been doing a um, with schools the way they are. I've been doing a programming class with my son, so I've been helping him in, a, in one. Yeah, and it's been really fun because I've been coding. I've been coding to like, look what I made. <laughs> and I'll be like, we'll have this problem, and I'll I'll I'll, I'll stay up late to like work on it because I think it's just fun. Yeah, um, so that's been kind of fun. But I've been I really have not I'm not as hands on with technology anymore as I used to be. Yeah. Now, um, did you have any like sales experience? I'm trying to think back on. Um, you worked at Best Buy for a little bit, right? But yeah, I mean, I sold I sold computers at Best Buy, and I mean that gets you customer interaction, right? Learning to talk to customers, newspaper, and, and you got to sell, sell subscriptions, things. I guess. Yeah, I didn't really do much sales yeah. with uh, with newspaper, but uh, but with Best Buy, lots of customer experience with Best Buy, and then lots of customer experience working at Microgroup and with LRS, lots of just talking to people, you know, out of customer sites. So you learn a lot there. Um, I don't actually consider myself a very good salesman, to be honest. Like I, I, if you think about traditional salesmen, right? You know, weird uh, little tricks and like, yeah. well, not even that. It's I'm just introverted. Like I'm not good at small talk. I'm not good at initiating the conversation. I don't really follow sports and like right. I, I, like if, if it's about the topic, like someone was talking about how I can like roll out and when I was in consulting, roll out an infrastructure that can help reduce their total cost of ownership through application management deployment yeah. or risk assessments around some of the security. But they're like kind of like shooting if, the shit side of it. But if they want to just like harder. build a relationship, I'm not good at that. Yeah. Um, I, I can I can understand that. I mean, I don't follow sports very closely either. I appreciate like a good game, but um, to sit there and chat about like sports that happen, I just, yeah. And it's not that I don't enjoy it. I'm just not good at it. Like if, some people don't want to talk about it. I've known people who like don't ask me about my personal life. I'll never talk about it. Yeah. If people want to like kick off a conversation with something that is interesting, I'll ask questions and I, I love, but I just, I'm just not good at it. Right. Um, but uh, probably the most awkward, hardest thing, I, the worst thing I ever did at LRS is when I had to cold call. <laughs> that was the most miserable experience of my Which I, life. I'm guessing a lot of people oh would say oh that is the most miserable thing you can do. And if you, you can can't do. figure out a way to make a connection on a proactive call, then, it's awkward. then you can't do it. They, they, and I couldn't, it was terrible. Yeah. Going to Microsoft was fantastic because cold calling for Microsoft, cold calling for Microsoft was like the easiest thing on earth because anybody will talk to you if you're from yes, Microsoft. Right. <laughs> I could see that. It's a little easier. So you were there for four and a half years at LRS and then... Um, did you just start researching like jobs that were out there um, um, with Microsoft? No, no, not directly. We actually, um, we had, my, my LRS was, the networking group LRS was going through a transition as to how they serve customers, what kind of projects they worked on. They had significantly expanded the concept of hire junior people and try to get them billable. And unfortunately, that actually doesn't work with most people, with most kids. And, and it was like the rates were coming way down and they were doing more kind As of more contract out outsourcing there. stuff. They set up like a class to try to bring people in fast. And and so the, and I, I didn't agree with some of the frontline middle management folks and the way they were driving things. 
Um, so I began, that's why, and a, a handful of folks that jumped out, including to Microsoft, and one of the folks who I have a ton of respect for, he, um, he went to Microsoft to a group, and, I, and then I made an opening up in Minnesota, and so I applied for that, and I joined the group. This other guy I worked with had joined uh, as one of his peers. I was, so I was up in moved to Minneapolis to work uh, selling software to education customers. Mm. So like big universities and, yeah. and K-12 schools and stuff. So that mm-hmm. was the job I took when I joined Microsoft. Huh. Selling the, was it just like any of your software that they might need or was it all of our commercial stuff, you know, like, uh, you know, email and windows and and exchange and, and, and all those things. So like I helped, I think it was university of Iowa, put like 40,000 students on exchange server for email, which was a huge, like at the time that was kind of an unprecedented thing. So would you sell it and help roll it out and everything? Um, I was in the technology. Well, we didn't, we didn't roll it out. Um, I was on the sales side, uh, technology specialist. So I'd help with like, if they want to do a proof of concepts and if they had technical questions and things like that, I was, I had more of a technology focus on that. Um, but I did not do that job for very long. I was yeah. only in that education group for a little over a year. Uh, I realized very quickly that I wanted to make money for Microsoft. Like Microsoft's very, very nice and generous in our pricing to educational institutions. Yeah. And so there's really not, there's not, there's a not, lot of... there's not much money in it. And, uh, and so I, I did my time. It was great. It was great. I mean, I learned a lot. Uh, I learned about a new industry that I hadn't spent a lot of time in, but then I, I wanted something different. So that's when I began a journey of kind of different sales roles at Microsoft, which I did for, for many years. I sold yeah. security software. I became a storage sales manager. Um, so I, I did that work until uh, between 2003 and 2008, I was in sales at Microsoft. What, how long were you in Minnesota for? Uh, moved at the end of 2008, so it was 03 to 08. Okay. Um, 03 to 08. So yeah, you've been, man, you've been there a long, it seems, uh, it doesn't seem like it's been that long, but I guess it's been a long time at this point. Yeah. Uh, it's been at Microsoft be? for almost 18 years. 18 years, yeah. Almost 18 years. So now you're out in Seattle. How was, well, actually, how was the transition from Springfield to Minnesota? Yeah, that was fine. I mean, it was the disappointing of family and stuff there, so that was hard. Yeah. But it's only it's like a six-hour drive. Yeah, I come up there to visit pretty regularly. Yeah, so it's not too bad. All right, then how about from Minnesota to Washington? <laughs> That's a long ways. Yeah. Um, you know, family-wise, like, it was a little tough. It was a really far move. But, you know, I visited uh, Washington for the first time. I went to a Microsoft conference in, I think, 99 out there. It might have been, yeah, I think it was 99. And it, and it was so beautiful. Like the, the kind of the Seattle area is just mm-hmm. one of the most beautiful places in the whole country. Yeah. And I have to say that I have to give a lot of credit to a lot of my experiences. Um, definitely to my brother and my father for, <laughs> well, father for helping pay for some of those when I was in school <laughs> <laughs> and my brother. But, uh, you know, I've got, we've got the, between snowboarding and you, you know, trying to get me to go out snowboarding in Colorado and then moving out to Washington and getting to come out there and see you and see all these different places and go to the Microsoft campus and see these, like, you know, just somebody from Springfield coming out to, to the Microsoft campus. Like, that's pretty crazy. It's crazy. You know, you, know, you slowly worked your way up to uh-huh. kind of you see it, visit, you know, whatever. But then, like, you know, the first time I came out, that I'm like, whoa, this is crazy. You know what I mean? So do you think of Microsoft, it's like, yeah, it's almost like an unattainable thing. Like yeah, a company that you you know who well, who the hell can go work for Microsoft? <laughs> That's what I felt like when I was a kid. Like I'd never seen anything like it. You, you go to LRS's campus and you think this is like the camp, like oh my god, look, yeah. look at all the buildings they have yes. over there. And I remember when you started and working there, I thought like, it was the coolest. They got thing an indoor ever. pool and a yeah, gym, and, like, and yeah, like this is like course. amazing. Oh my god, <laughs> could you imagine working here? I couldn't imagine working at the Microsoft campus. 
And when I um, when I first joined Microsoft and I got to go to Redmond for the first time and see like walk around the campus, um, I was walking out with like a camera taking pictures. Cause I was just in awe. And all these security guys like came out. <laughs> they're, like, sir. they're like, "Do you have ID, sir?" <laughs> and I was like, "I work here. I swear." Tackle you. <laughs> That's hilarious. You know, it, Washington. If um, if you've never been there, it's definitely a beautiful, beautiful state for sure. A lot of people worry about you know it's, it can be rainy and kind of kind of dreary in the winter, but I actually find it beautiful because growing up in the Midwest, every all the leaves fall off the trees and it just feels very dead all winter. But there, there's so many evergreens and rolling hills and stuff. It just is like green and beautiful year round. Yeah, even if it's a little cloudy, I I really like it. It's I think it's very uplifting for me personally. Everybody's different, right? So much. So much stuff to do outdoors too, mm-hmm. like between the hiking and skiing, snowboarding. There's just a lot of stuff close. Uh, we've done some amazing backpacking trips out there. Uh, the uh, uh, up to the enchantments that mm-hmm. was freaking awesome. Uh, going to the uh, the uh, what's it the peninsula? What's it called? Olympic the Peninsula. Olympic Peninsula. Olympia, yeah. yeah, we took we took uh, Tom's daughter, my niece, and a couple of us went there and backpacked that. That was really that was an amazing journey. Um, but yeah, a lot of these things, I don't know if I would have gone and done. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? Like if I would, I don't know if I would have done them if you weren't like, hey man, you gotta come home backpack the trip with me. <laughs> it, but I mean. It, same with you. Like, who knows if you didn't end up out there, would you have ever done any of that stuff? Who knows? You know, I'd never been west of Colorado until I flew out in '99 to that Microsoft conference. Mm-hmm. I'd never been west of Colorado. Yeah, yeah. The uh, and then getting into snowboarding and all that stuff. So awesome. So you moved out there. Um, you know, got a house and everything. A lot different real estate market out there, probably. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so expensive. Yeah, it's crazy. When you were buying a house, though, at least it was when stuff was a little bit cheaper, right? Um, not not cheap enough, but it well, was yeah. like that. There was a right around. The well, cheap- you look at like a house here that's two hundred thousand out there. It would be like a million. I mean, depending back then, it could be anywhere of- from five hundred thousand to over a million dollars. If it was in Seattle, it could be even more. Yeah, like, like it could be way more. So crazy stuff varies that much. Yeah. Oh, I moved out right as 2008 housing market was hitting, so it was like a third of the way through the crash yeah. when I bought my house. So you got a little there. bit of a discount. So I got a little bit of a discount knowing that I was going to live there for probably at least 10 years. Uh, was it a pretty shocking thing, though, like looking at houses like, oh, my God, how can I? It was so expensive. Uh, I it's spent probably so much. scary. It was very scary. It was very, very scary. I actually had Moving a, to a new place, buying a new house, having your whole family with you. Starting a new job yeah. in a new group. Yeah. It was a it was a scary move. Um, I was making the uh, taking a, a big risk, mm-hmm. big gamble. Um, it's worked out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what? Uh, so you've been out in Seattle now since two thousand eight. Um, what's your? I mean, besides obviously the job and everything, what do you think your favorite part about being out there is? Um, you know, I think uh, the outdoor stuff is fantastic. Uh, I think just the climate and the outdoors is is just a, such a beautiful area. Like yeah. there's just houses. I don't know if people know this, but most houses don't aren't even built with air conditioners. Like seventy percent of the houses <laughs> don't have houses and apartments don't have AC. It's so crazy. But that's insane because like you have to have. I, so I bought a new construction house when I moved out there, and I was like, "Does it have AC?" They're like, "No, you don't need it. Like nobody has AC." <laughs> and I never. I was like, "I've only been there in like April," so I was like, "Okay." And it, and it was um, you know, and it was early. It was spring when I bought the house. It was probably about April when I bought the house and. I was like, okay, cool. 
And then that summer, there was like a record heat wave. <laughs> it was like a hundred degrees for like a week or two. Yeah. And I had, you know, I had like a, a one and a half year old and it was, it was miserable. I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm living like a third world country. That's crazy. <laughs> I was like, I, I don't have to put up with this. Yeah. Got it installed. I had AC installed. <laughs> Understandable. Did, uh, so now you're out there, um, and then you've just worked your way up. Yeah, it's been a just grind. lots of opportunities. I, yeah, I don't know, but I've done, I've done a number of a handful of jobs, did the things I said I would do, and people have offered me new opportunities. Uh, but you always, I mean, obviously, like you work. I, I mean, I know that uh, you know. Like I said, I've, I've gotten a lot of influence from you as well. But you, you know, you work hard when you there's something a challenge in front of you, going to be the yeah. best at it, and you know exceed expectations yeah you have to work you have to work hard i think success is like like half hard work and half luck yeah like you gotta you gotta work hard so that when the opportunity happens to open up you can jump on it successfully and there are people that work hard and the opportunity doesn't open there's people that miss opportunities all the time because they didn't work hard to be ready for it Mm -hmm. or take advantage of it do you feel like uh going through and getting to this part to where you're at how did you feel? Did you feel like you would ever like be where you are right now? No, not where I'm at. Right now. <laughs> no, no. I I moved out to Washington with like the the remotest, remotest hope, like that there was like even a chance I could get to a place that was maybe a step down from where I am right now. It was like my best possible dream achievement. So I've uh, I'm glad the way things have worked out have been fantastic. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the stuff you're doing now, because I think it's pretty crazy. Again, you know, one of the things I think thought people would find most exciting is hearing about somebody from Springfield getting to this point and actually understanding like what you're doing for Microsoft. Uh, Because there's some stuff that like with big programs and dealing with these big companies, that's like people probably just like, man, that is just nuts. Um, so like what, what kind of responsibilities do you have now at your job? Yeah, I have a very interesting job that I, again, jobs I didn't know, nobody ever told me existed. Even when I was, even until, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, I didn't know they existed. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, my boss, uh, uh, so when I, when I moved to Redmond, uh, I joined the SQL server marketing organization, um, our database product and, and how it's, it's marketed to customers and, um, and I had some very specific marketing projects there that I moved out to, to, to do. But as I wrapped those up, uh, there was a, a guy who ran the pricing, and the, the business planning for the SQL Server business. He had a very small team. And he offered me a job running pricing and licensing for this multi-billion dollar business. To which point I was like, I am not qualified for that. Like, <laughs> like, like you do not, this was almost 10 years ago to the day almost that he offered me this job. And I was like, I'm not well, they obviously saw something in you. Well, he, my boss is ridiculously smart. Like the guy, is, 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 his background is, is, is he's so smart. But one of the challenges that he'd had is it's getting the machine of Microsoft is, is, is powerful, but it's complicated and it's hard to get stuff done, right? And I have a track record of getting stuff done, right? Especially if you're in sales, have done sales, you know, you got to make a plan. You like, like, here's my goal. And then you create a plan on how to get to the goal. And so there's, you know, it's like which anybody should do anybody should do but, but it's hard to do especially if yeah. the plan is daunting and big if, right. like, if you say if you have this complicated grand plan like i want to you know move to russia or something it's like hey what do i do tomorrow what do i do the next day and what if you have like a multi-year strategy for something mm-hmm. like a journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step but like you don't want to step in the wrong direction so how do you map that out i like the people people around me get frustrated because i use this analogy so much i was like first we got to decide if we're going to go to hawaii or washington dc Right? And then if we decide on Washington, D.C., 
yes, we could sit around in meetings all day discussing where we're going to park when we get there <laughs> and where we're going to get lunch in Pennsylvania. But in the meantime, we're not moving. Right. Like at what point do we get in the car and start, start figuring out journey. how we're going to get out of Washington and how do we make sure we're headed east when some knucklehead comes along and says, hey, why don't we hop on this plane to Hawaii? <laughs> Wait a minute. Didn't we agree we were going to D.C.? <laughs> like, um, so my boss recognized my ability to have done and he thought we'd be good partners. He's like, I can teach you the other stuff. Um, and I began almost like an MBA boot camp under, under my, my boss who, who taught me a ton. And we've done some really big, exciting things together. And in that partnership over, the, over a decade, the, the machine of Microsoft moved around us. And my boss's responsibilities for pricing and licensing expanded from the SQL business to over a 10-year period. It now includes almost everything. There's a few things it does. We don't have Xbox. We don't have like Bing. There's a couple of things it doesn't have. But otherwise, my boss owns the pricing and licensing at Microsoft for almost Microsoft's full portfolio of products. Can, just because a lot of people might not even realize <laughs> what you mean by that. What, what are some of those products? Yeah, so um, a, a Windows Server, you know, SQL Server, um, the Windows Desktop, the licenses that cost that goes to an OEM to ship Windows on a, a Dell PC or Office, Office 365 on the web page. Office 365 to businesses, like we have, you know, tons of products. So just to dumb this down, people sitting at their computers right now, <laughs> if, you're, <laughs> if you're at if you're at work or whatever, you know that that employer paid for that in one way or another, and in these mm-hmm. bigger businesses as well, like they have to figure out pricing. Yeah, what do you charge? Yeah, what do you charge for stuff? And how do you structure that? Yeah. You know? Um, and so there, there's two pieces. One is what do you charge for the products? And that's a really interesting process to develop the business models to do that. And then how do you like think about customers' complete purchasing experience, right? And that, that's where I probably spend more of my time, but the customers don't buy just one product or service from Microsoft. You think about the complete purchasing experience and you know, where there are business opportunities as well as customer and partner opportunities is where you spend a lot of time. How, can you like, <clears throat> Can you say... Some of the like large businesses. I mean, it's probably obvious because most large businesses use something from Windows. But yeah. can you say like some of the large customers that you have to deal with and negotiate with and stuff like that? Um, I mean, not necessarily me personally, but like all of them. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. like everybody's a Microsoft customer, pretty much one way or yeah. another. Um, one of the things I do that's really exciting is I own uh, one of the many things my org owns is is deal escalation. So Microsoft, in terms of as we is where we have to negotiate with customers. You know, we have a large field organization that has some degrees of empowerment to, to make concessions in certain areas. And then we have like a more senior group that can do more advanced things. And then when they need help on a deal, they call my team. And so we engage on some of the largest, most complicated deals there are. So for deal structure and things like that, yeah. um, I, I get pretty involved in. Um, but I like the pricing is some of the coolest things. One of the things I found in this job is in traveling around looking at other business models. Like you and I, we were just talking before this podcast about the McDonald's soda model, you know, with like a Coke. <laughs> looking for sponsorship. <laughs> you know, how they charge a dollar for all their sodas. Um, and so, or, or Disney World, they go to Disney World, you start seeing where you're, people so You're have, paying attention to that because you're in the world of it. Yeah, just like when I see a design or a, a graphic or how somebody's presenting some marketing. Exactly. You see how stuff is priced and you begin to see why they price stuff. Or you ask yourself, I wonder why they made that decision. I wonder what they're trying to manipulate with that decision. It's really interesting. Um, how, or the, where they're forcing you to spend this, doing this type of thing. Exactly. Exactly. So I, uh, I think that's really interesting how you kind of go out there and see those things. Or Same with when I have to negotiate with big customers. I like to look for opportunities to practice my negotiating skills. Yeah. 
And it's really something that people should pay attention to. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, anyway, like why, why do they want this much more for this? Or mm-hmm. where's the benefit here? Is it worth that much more? Like it's a good thing just for budgeting yourself on, you know, whether it's small things like buying a drink or whatever, mm-hmm. it's just, uh, it's really something people should pay attention to in general. Yeah. Well, it's like we, 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 were, again, we were discussing the dollar sodas at McDonald's and it's like, well, why did they charge the same for Like who would buy a medium? And you know, like, okay, well, what if you were calorie conscious or, you know, you don't have the self-control to just not drink the whole large. That would be me. And, uh, but then, then the question, I would say, well, if, okay, well, you know, wonder, should McDonald's charge more for a medium? Should they like <laughs> charge should, more for the smaller drink? Yeah, charge more because it's like, well, we're going to monetize your lack of self-control. <laughs> you should pass an extra quarter. So like, cause it's not about what Give it's me a large and separated into two cups. Cause pricing isn't just about what it costs to make the thing. It's about what someone's willing to pay for it. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's a big part of how the discussions we have and the research we do and stuff is what is, willingness to pay for things and how does how does people's willingness to pay change as you change the price of something or yeah. as you change the packaging of something right which any business owner should definitely think about mm-hmm. um you know I, I think this is catered I, I like catering this podcast to really anybody just with interesting conversations especially like your story um but to business owners too you know i try to encourage business owners to check this out because that's a lot of primarily who i talk to you know as local business owners and stuff but uh yeah no that's that's crazy to think about you know if people aren't thinking about that that's definitely a big thing you gotta pay attention to um so um i'm just trying to think like what is there anything else like uh that would uh you know during this journey from uh you know Springfield to college, dropping out of college, getting certified in all these things, going to LRS, coming to Microsoft. What are, what are we, what are we missing? What did we miss going over? Is there anything interesting in there I'm not thinking about? Um, you know, I think one of the things that for folks who want to, who look at jobs that are out there, um, or companies that they want to get exposed to figure out how to work with people in those companies. Right. I think the hardest part, and like one of the th- reasons college existed the way, there's lots of reasons colleges existed, but one of them, the ways it was used, was to get your foot in the door. You have to stand out amongst all the resumes out there when you're looking at jobs. And so figuring out how you're going to stand out, mm-hmm. and a degree might be the right way for many jobs. It might be internships, it might be certifications, it might, but it might, it might be people you know. If you can, you know, people ask me, how can I get a job with Microsoft? I'm, I'm, I'm just getting started, I'm going to college, what if I want to work for Microsoft someday? There's lots of routes to get there, but one is, Go work with Microsoft partners, for example, right? Like, because find companies that work with the companies you want to work for, because then you'll meet people and you can get references yeah. and you can learn more about. Or the at job. least Microsoft knows who that business is whenever you go to apply. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, that's that's definitely uh, something. Again, you know, we've talked about schooling a little bit, and and that is a big reason I also wanted you to come on because even myself, I don't necessarily believe in the traditional route of schooling. I went through it, but could I have got to where I am? Would I be in the same position? I don't know, maybe, but I think I could have got here if I just was disciplined enough to sit down and learn and make sure I was, you know, moving in that direction. Um, you know, I, I did learn quite a bit while I was at ACE, just dealing with a lot of Mm -hmm. big customers and stuff like that and got a lot of experience there. But again, you know, get into that position, even if you got to work for free mm-hmm. and work a side job or something, you know, Absolutely. I think people are scared to, scared to do that. I, or, you know, like, I think a lot of people are like, why would I work for free? <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's like, if you just knew the knowledge that you'd get working at a place that's doing what you want to do, um, it's yeah. just amazing. I, I, I joke with some, some of my employees sometimes when we're talking about, you know, kind of 
activities are driving or performance or things like that or opportunities and you know how do they get a bigger bonus and like that and it's like you know there's points where you know they might need help with something you know it's like look i i, I want you to ask for help i want to help you i want you to be successful right but you also have to realize that you know if there's a point where if i'm doing the work and you're not doing the work like right. you know, i say your extra pay is the experience <laughs> 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 yeah <laughs> definitely so you mean like I think I know what you mean by that, but like put in the thought and see like where you can expand. Is that kind of what you meant by that? Well, it's like, again, like you should value like lo- looking for opportunities to learn from others, right? right. You, like to your point about people just think they should get paid for being there. And, and like talking wrong, everybody at Microsoft just paid very well for being there. But in terms of like anybody, but anybody can always ask for more, right? right? Or expect more. And you can't expect to move up if you're not advancing yourself. Exactly. Yeah. And, 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 and demonstrating that you can do more, you know, because, Here's one of the other things I tell people. I say there are so many opportunities to have impact and, 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 and more impact. And, and as you learn and grow and you can demonstrate it. I was like, I'm desperate for people to just take on more and more responsibilities. Without you telling them to. What? Without you like telling them to either. Absolutely. Wherever possible. I mean, obviously I'll try to point them to opportunities. But you, you take it on and do a great job. And then either one of two things is going to happen. Like either... I'm going to then have to promote you or pay you more or find a new opportunity to expand your responsibility more formally, or you're going to go to somebody who will. Like yeah. one of those two things will happen. Like, like either way, just, they're in your benefit. Yeah, either <laughs> way, it, it helps you. And, and so um, I think it, that's a big thing, too. Like a lot of times people just think that they, they should get paid more and then they'll do more. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like the, the what's the, the term? Like the. I don't remember this little term there. I'm trying to think of the analogy, but you got to put in the work and then get the reward type of thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Demonstrate, demonstrate, you can do, demonstrate, you can do the work and, and you, you're going to get, you, people are going to invest in you or you'll move to somebody who can. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you, even early in my career, I mentioned I started the LRS for like $30,000 a year, billing out at like $25 an hour. They knew they weren't going to keep me on. That they knew I knew what I was billing. Yeah. <laughs> they weren't going to keep me on that. So like they had to, you know, then properly provide the raises and incentives to keep me on for the, t- the time they did. Right. And yeah. so, um, but you have to have a passion to want to do it. You know, I, one of the challenges with that approach is sometimes you will, you often can feel undervalued. Like, and I've been here myself yeah. and I know people on my team and others in other communities, they'll be like, Oh man, this other person doing the same job made more, they have a higher title or more, make more money. It's, it's not fair. I should be a higher, higher level or whatever. And in, in many ways, I, it's true. Like I feel that way too at times. Um, but one thing I like to say is, you know, success breeds success, right? And so, you know, if you are, if you're, uh, you know, doing more than expected of your current level and role, you're going to be recognized at doing as doing better. And then, and, and when you apply for a new job, you don't want your, you know, your review or your past references to be like, oh, they were average. Or they did an average job. You want everybody to say you were excelling. Mm-hmm. So even though you might have thought you were you know, I mean, underleveled or being underpaid in a role, if you can constantly have your references being like, yeah, but they exceeded expectations every time is, is all the references. You know, I think about the rubber band being pulled back so you can snap it forward, you know, take, take one step back so you can take two or three steps forward. And that's how, kind of how I've managed my career. Yeah. Um, no, I think that's great. You know, I hope anybody uh, listening really takes that in because you just uh, got to put in the work, man. Got to show more value. In the end, it's like a business. Mm-hmm. And they got to make more money off of you. If you They're going to pay you more money. So they got, yeah. So, well, I mean, uh, I think uh, let's, let's, uh, let's jump back to a couple of those questions. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember exactly what they were. The hardest, I guess, part of uh, 
your your job would you say the hardest part um you know i think at this point in my current role i'd say uh, i'm I'm gonna cheat and give you two answers um one is you know microsoft is, is really great that it has so many people you can work with and learn from that are specialized like i love the potential of it but also, like for a company that large, though, you do sometimes get frustrated at the bureaucracy of it. So many stakeholders to do anything. So I'd say that yeah. could be that can be difficult at times. Understandable. It hasn't stopped me from doing amazing things. So like in everybody's defense, it's 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 what's worked out. And, and, and but it, it can be challenging. But I would say the thing that probably keeps me up the most at night is you know feeling such an accountability uh, for the folks that work for me. Like I I want all of them to be successful. Mm-hmm. And so I you know I, every day I want to think about. There's a point. There's a point where your their success, like if my people aren't successful, I'm not successful. Right. I can't work extra hours to heavy lift my organization to success. Yes. It's, there's so many folks. If they aren't doing a great job, I'm not doing a great job. And so you have to like repivot as a leader to how do you help your people be successful and get the things they need to get done. Um, and sometimes that means they they might eventually move on to other roles through that success. But like it's the only way to do it. And they have to trust that you're going to be there to go to bat for them when the mm-hmm. time comes. Yep. That you're going to, you know, yeah, this person you deserves a trust. raise. You have to have trust in, yeah. in that. And it's, it's hard. Um, but it's a, that, that's what I feel. But it's also what I enjoy most about the job. Um, I, uh, uh, I had uh, Google approached me back in January about working for them, you know, and I, I told them and, and I went and told my boss the same thing. I was like, the big, most exciting thing for me every day right now is not just Microsoft, which is a fantastic company, but I've worked for the same boss now for 10 years, which yeah. is honestly insane almost anywhere. But at Microsoft and in IT, it's crazy. My boss's boss uh, has been there as my skip level for like nine years. Wow. And then amongst all the managers in my own organization, all but one have been in my org for over five years. So the amount of like synergies and cohesion and collaboration and understanding each other and trusting each other mm-hmm. um, is just on a level that uh, it was very long journey to achieve. And it's just I love it. I love people I work with and and I'm working and I work for my people as much as they work for me. And I uh, I'm not I'm not giving that up until the event, it may not last forever. It's probably not going to last forever. I, they may move in other roles in the future. My you know who knows how long. My managers always be there, but uh, I'm gonna. I love, that's what I enjoy most every day. Yeah. How about the toughest part of kind of your journey to where you are now? Um, I mean, there was say. there was a, unknowns was always a big part of it. I took journeys where the path was not known, and that unknown always you know taking that next step, uh, like moving kind of, to Seattle type of thing. You mean y- stuff like yeah, not knowing what you. I always had jobs that was um, you know I'm not I'm only gonna do this job for like a, two years. And I have no idea what I'm going to do after that. That was that was my job for a long time. Yeah, and that was that unknown. It was always kind of frustrating and hard. And so I think that was difficult. Um, I don't really. I, I I mean, in IT you never know. But I've this role I'm in now, and I've been in for some time is fantastic. But the journey to this was was hard because you never saw beyond that. Because I've told people, I was like, most jobs I had at Microsoft, if you had told me six months earlier. That's the job I'd be doing in six months. You wouldn't believe it. I would have not only not believed it, I would have said no. No one would ever hire me for that. You'd have to be crazy to ever give well, me that opportunity. It's cool to know that people saw it, saw that in you to give your boss saw it in you to give you the opportunities to where you are now, and um, it's good. I think that that's a good thing because now you have that experience to where you know you can kind of see that in the people you're managing, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And pay attention for that type of thing. Like maybe this person does not know this now, but I could definitely get yes. them to that point 
And that's pretty cool too. That's what I think is one of the greatest strengths of Microsoft is part of their culture is encouraging that growth and learning and taking chances on people. And, and, um, and of course, not every manager is perfect. Microsoft, big companies, big Microsoft yeah. can have problems. But, uh, but generally speaking, more often than not, and more often than I've seen in most companies, Microsoft really cares about that broadly. Um, all of my managers, I think almost all my managers, not all of them, but almost all of them, were, took on a manager role from an individual contributor role in my organization. So most of them were people that came in we saw potential and they were committed and we spent a lot of time helping them learn, grow, develop and demonstrate those skill sets and they moved up. Um, and so that, that's just something I'm just really proud of the work they've done there. And it's, you know, in my, yeah. what I enjoy about what I'm doing. That's awesome. Well, um, what a journey there. You have yeah. any, anything else we should, anything else you think we should hit on or points we should make people to any, inf- uh, any good information for maybe some of the people that haven't, you know, been in some of those, bigger business situations or suggestions or tips or I don't know, just any, any other food for thought, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't, I, 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 I'd encourage people to say, you know, especially the folks you work with and stuff to reach out to you if they ever have any questions. I, I wish our schools and stuff brought more people in to, uh, to, to guest speak and talk to kids about opportunities in these companies yeah. and stuff. I've actually done a co- I've had a couple of people ask me to come to schools. It's kind of neat. Yeah, I think that's Felt really good cool. kind of trying to explain some of it and answer some kids' questions. That was pretty neat. Yeah, I think they need to see more of that. And then I think you were right on that. I think the pricing stuff I think is super interesting. I think you're the companies you work with and how they think about pricing and price elasticity and they're kind of who they're selling to. So it's, it's an area that hopefully they spend and spend time on. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a big takeaway. People need to think about with schooling, uh, the, the you know what you're spending, going into debt. I have so many friends that are paying five to eight hundred dollars a month in school loans that they've been doing it forever now. You know, I'm 35. We were done with school years ago, ten, over ten years mm-hmm. ago, or ten whatever, ten years ago, and it uh, they're still paying it, man. There's and so it's just, many ways. It just to hinders learn. you so hard. Like you just it, like I could not imagine trying to live right now just throwing $500 towards, you know, some loan that I got when I was a kid. Yeah. I just couldn't imagine it. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I think you got to think about what the return is on those. Investments. What's the job you're going to get out of that school? What's that career path look like? And what are the other learning opportunities? There's so many learning. That doesn't mean they're free, yeah. but they're different. They can be different price and different routes to learn the things you need to learn. What are the tools you need? What are the experience you need? What are the things you need to get your foot in the door? And there's more tools than ever now. Yeah. between YouTube and they have all these skill shares and these websites where you can get on there and learn from famous directors or, uh-huh. you know, people that have experience, probably people that do stuff that you do, like you do are even on there that explain and stuff. I don't know. I haven't got on them, you know, personally, but there's just a lot of resources out there to learn more than there's ever been. And I think people should keep that in mind when what thinking about what they want to do. Yeah. Think of the skills you need and think about how you get your foot in the door. Yeah. places I think is the most important thing. And if you have small businesses, think about how you can, how if you can offer internships. Because one thing I will tell you, if you're a small business, you want to hiring good people. You know, I've talked about this, Andrew, how, uh, you know, the hiring process is is challenging and scary for small business owners. You know, right. You take, you take on, taking that expense you, You're taking risk. on responsibility for the, these people invest in you. They want to trust you and, and, and you're taking on a, a big investment there with folks. And so I found even at Microsoft, when we do internships and stuff at Microsoft, I've found like that's a great way to meet candidates as well, so it's it it, it, it works both directions. It helps the the, the 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 younger people get the experience about you know what it means to work in a commercial environment and learn from people, and it can help you identify people earlier in their career that you might want to See invest in and, and, in. And, and bring on. So it really if we need to. It get gives them more a chance to make a make a like prove themselves. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Show that they could take stuff on. That they're willing. Yeah. Yeah. Internships are definitely a, a good thing. I mean, at Ace, for example, I you know I had to do an internship to graduate. 
a semester long internship and I was working at Ace doing my internship and it was unpaid, but halfway through they saw what I could do and they offered me a job. Mm-hmm. So it worked out. I got paid for the second half of my internship finishing school. Yeah, because like interviewing interviewing somebody, I, I, I hate interviewing. Yeah, like you have to I make a too. decision because you talk to somebody for like an hour. Like that's They're like just so, going off a gut, basically. That's so hard to do. An internship, it's like you get a, a multi-month interview. Yeah. Well, at the same time, the person doing the internship is getting learning skills. And the opportunity um, to prove, you know, if they really want the job to prove themselves. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. All right. Well, quite a journey. Yeah, it's, uh, I think you should. Uh, I don't know how much you really think back on that journey that you've taken to this point, but uh, it's pretty amazing. It's a pretty cool thing to think about, and uh, you know, obviously, each decision you've made along the way got you there, and it's pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah, lots of decisions, and people giving me chances, and I'm very grateful for that. And I try to try to do the same for the other folks. Well, we'll appreciate you as my <laughs> older brother and influence, and uh, in a lot of the things that I've done, and always being a resource for me on stuff like this. So, I really uh, thank you for coming on. All right, awesome. thanks, Andrew. <laughs> all right, thanks, everybody. Remember, you can uh, listen to this on all major streaming platforms, Spotify, uh, videos on YouTube and Facebook. And now you can even just say Alexa, play inside the box radio or podcast, play inside the box podcast. I was just making sure my Alexa is not doing it. All right. Thanks everybody. Uh, until the next one. Thanks, Tom. Thanks.